Hello, mamas. Laura here, and today I am sharing the live baby first aid Q&A I did recently with Edwina from Birthbeat. Enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio Laura. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Now, today we're kicking off episode five, which is our bonus episode in the Baby First Aid series, which is the live recording from the recent Q&A I did with Edwina from Birthbeat. Now, in this Q&A, Edwina answers questions about congested babies, when to worry if they've bumped their head, whether you should be cutting grapes in half to prevent choking, what to avoid when it comes to baby lotions and moisturizers, and so much more. And in case you missed it, we have already released the first four episodes in this baby first aid series covering choking prevention and management, common breathing issues in children, current SIDS guidelines, poisons, and falls. So definitely go and listen back to them if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you never miss an upcoming episode. And don't forget, we also have a bonus fifth episode exclusively available to members inside the Pregnancy Posse, where Edwina gives us the lowdown on exactly what you'll need in your first aid kit at home. Now, I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about. Now let's get into this bonus episode for the Baby First Aid series. You are going to love this Q&A style podcast with Edwina today. Enjoy. Edwina is amazing. She is on our podcast as the guest expert right now. She runs the incredible Birthbeat program. So you can find her on her Instagram tag here at Birthbeat. So she's a midwife, a nurse, a mum, first aid educator. You've got sleep programs, first aid programs, birth programs, you name it. You've got everyone covered. And Edwina has contributed a baby first aid series to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast, which is going off at the moment. So we've so far released three of the four episodes on choking prevention, choking management, breathing issues in newborns and SIDS. And there's one coming this Thursday, which is all about poisons and falls. And the feedback I'm getting from a lot of women is thank you. This is so relatable so far. I'm getting a lot of messages saying that. A couple of messages saying, thank God you're spreading this message because of, you know, this is the personal story I've just had with this experience. So we know it's a topic that so many women need to know about. And as I mentioned in the first podcast episode it's very dry and it can be so boring like I'm not gonna lie I see baby first aid I don't go oh yeah I want to know about that but I love the way you tell it that's why you're the person I'm getting to speak about it because I think you do it in a really interesting way so tonight we're going to be answering some follow-up questions from the series if anyone wants to refer back to we don't get to your question or if you've got any lingering questions Go back and check out the episodes if you haven't already, and if not, head over to Birthbeat, and I'm sure E can help you out a little bit if you have any follow-up questions. And for those who have submitted questions already and people who are joining us on the live tonight, we are going to pick one lucky lady who will win a free Pregnancy Posse membership and a free first aid, baby first aid course through Edwina as well. So we'll pick that sometime later this week. You just have to join us on the live or ask a question and be following both of us. So now 
Thank you, Eve, for joining us. We're going to jump straight into it. (laughs) So we're going to talk about some breathing stuff first. And again, guys, this is episode three on the podcast. So if you need follow up to this, go and check that out. But someone has asked, how do you distinguish between congested breathing versus truly struggling to breathe? Okay. Um, I think first and foremost, I should just say breathing illnesses and like, I love how you say it's not boring. I was like, thank you. <laughs> but um, as I don't teach first aid like the book says to teach first aid because I'm not a good learner, Laura. Like I'm not a good student. I like to hear stories. I like to go, oh, I'll remember that because of the way that they taught it. But with breathing illnesses, and I always am reinforcing this in my birth beat course, like it is super important that if in doubt, particularly under 12 months, get your baby seen. So there shouldn't be a hesitation. So mm-hmm. why I have based a lot about breathing illnesses, asthma, um, croup, different types of breathing illnesses and how to respond to those breathing illnesses in the first aid course is actually not so much from first aid, but from my working in emergency and either seeing the super anxious parents who come up and spend hours sitting in the ED with a perfectly well child. And on the other hand, it is the family that comes in with a flat, limp toddler who has had a breathing illness or has been struggling to breathe for a certain amount of time and then just runs out of steam. And they are hard work for us to then resuscitate and rehydrate, you know, and take them back from a place of shock to get them well again. So that's, like, I think it's important that I talk about my why and why I'm so passionate about talking about breathing illnesses. Um, so first and foremost, under 12 months, if you have any doubt, if you are concerned about your baby's breathing, seek professional help. This is not the time to be going to IGTV or to be going to Dr. Google or thinking how long or what should I do. However, what is important is to know is how to recognise that your baby is unwell and then you know when to respond. So congestion, and let's just you know go into a couple of definitions. Congestion, often people will say that their baby is congested because they, you know, like you know what a newborn sounds like. They are really noisy breathers. They are nose breathers. So your baby is born and it's a nose breather. The reason that they're nose breathers is again, so that they can go to the breast, spend time at the breast. They can spend 45 minutes, an hour, sucking at the breast, but they can continue to breathe. That's why they're nose breathers. But if they get a little bit of what we call an erty, so an upper respiratory tract infection, very quickly that's gonna compromise how they feed, how they sleep, because they breathe through their nose, and all of a sudden when they go to breathe through their nose, it's congested, so you'll get a and it will wake them up. What you then end up with is an overtired, restless, you know, irritable, fussy little bubba who's probably not going to be feeding very well. That's very difficult mm. at home. Lots of extra cuddles, lots of extra feeds. The feeds are likely to be, and this is bottle and breastfed babies, the feeds are likely to be shorter and more frequent. So that's what I would sort of say is a congested sounding mm. and that's what going to look like for you as a mum or a dad. However, a breathing illness or difficulty breathing, I think the word in that question was struggling to breathe, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're very quickly going to see, and if you see 
either of these two signs, it's not, oh, let's make a GP appointment. It's let's see a medical officer. So really mm. clear about if you're in a larger metro area, probably going to be seeing a GP or an after-hours GP, smaller area, you need to go to the emergency department. And we refer to the tracheal tug. And I don't know because my camera is really um, dark. I don't know if I'm looking dark to you there. But this little That's area... Nice. Yeah, is the trachea, and you'll see that little bit of skin suck in. And it's what we refer to as the tracheal tug. And we've got mm. some videos that we, we show on Instagram about that. And look at your baby. So look at your baby or your toddler. Lift their shirt, open their onesie, have a look at them. If they are making an effort, and when I say an effort, again, you'll usually see their chest rising and it will be shorter, more shallow breaths that is the time to act because it's so important that parents understand you or I can be short of breath and puffing and panting away after exercise or going for a run, things like that, even if we are feeling short of breath. But smaller children have less time before they become what we call compromised, which is essentially just a word for saying they're really going to struggle. So mm. if you see either of those two signs, struggling to breathe, shallow shallow breaths and even sometimes you can see the skin sucking in around their ribs and mm. again is a big fancy word intercostal recession but it just means the skin is sucking in around their ribs mm. you want to see a medical officer and that is what i would call struggling to breathe yeah and i really like that differentiation because i do think a lot of children get congested that's quite normal and i spoke about this in the podcast when we recorded the podcast never had a child admitted to hospital in their life since recording the podcast. Oh. Yeah. Been in this situation before, but um, that's what made me realize he's really struggling to breathe here. This is not just a wheeze, like his ribs are really sucking in and I knew to look at the trachea and the ribs and things like that. So that's why I think, that's really valuable information to, because you're not expected to be a doctor, but you need to know, oh, actually, that's right. Edwina yeah. said something about that shouldn't be okay. We need mm. to go get help. And you're never going to be made to feel silly for going to get help. So I think that's really important. No. I just had a side question. I always do. When you were talking about congestion, I know there was a little bit of controversy when my kids were young about whether or not you should sucker their snot just a quick little side question. Do you have an opinion on that? Like whether we um, should be sucking their snot or not? Yeah, and again, there's not a lot of evidence around yay or nay. What I would say first, though, is if you're breastfeeding, actually squirting some breast milk into their nose is a really Doesn't good that thing. fix everything? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, breast milk. <laughs> they've got a scratch. They've got anything to scratch. I always think of that movie where the granddad sprays Windex on everything. I'm like, my answer to everything is basically we'll fix everything. Yeah, <laughs> that is a really good decongestant. Um, so, yes, but, yeah, you can also, but the body actually has a way of producing it for a reason. It's going to get rid of it. But because they are nose breathers, if it's dry and cracked and really is causing them distress, actually vaporizers or nebulizers overnight are also really helpful. It will help you, mum, as well breathe more easily, particularly my pregnant mummers towards the later stages of pregnancy 
all yeah. the mucus hormones are on full fire. We've got all the beautiful hormones doing what they're meant to be doing, but you get really congested. I'm sure a lot of your mums experience this as well. So sleeping with a nebulizer or a vaporizer is really good for those mucous membranes for mum, but they're also really good for bub. Just if you've yeah. got that dry, sort of cakey congestion that babies and toddlers particularly get that, yeah. you know, dry snot, um, yeah. a vaporizer it's a really good idea yeah awesome great thank you for clearing that up i always ask a lot of personal questions when i'm on <laughs> these calls because i'm like actually i want to know that for me <laughs> so, <laughs> i think this one is going to be a pretty straightforward answer but someone has asked what do i do when a baby stops breathing without any reason turns blue and fades out oh okay so mm. fades out i'm assuming is loss of consciousness or what we're referring i would think to so you need to start yeah. CPR. So, yeah. and again, really important that we define the difference between, so with adults, and again, the way we used to teach CPR was like, look for a pulse, don't waste time with kids, do not waste time. If they are unresponsive, so we refer mm -hmm. to our doctor's ABC, you know, you look for danger, and the next thing is, are they responsive? And when I say, and I don't actually have my resource doll here with me, but when I say responsive, it's literally picking up your child. And I realise this can be a bit traumatic to be watching, but picking them up in your hands, do not shake a baby. So for adults, we used to say, you know, shake. And again, that's a little bit outdated. Grab their shoulders, give them a little bit of a, hey, open your eyes. But for a baby, remember when your baby's born, they don't have that protective mechanism around their brain that you and I have that's a skull. You know, when your baby's born, it has that soft spot. When you shake a baby, that is why we say never shake a baby because effectively you can hurt their brain. So you pick up your baby and you say, open your eyes. You know, baby girl, open your eyes. Listen to mama, open your eyes. Squeeze their shoulders, squeeze their hands. If you are not getting a response, you very quickly need to be stepping into CPR to ensure that that baby's going to be responding. Yeah. Even if you, and I'm going to be really clear here, even if you do get a response, so you get a bit of a eyes roll into the back of the head, they have a bit of a cry. If you're checking the responsiveness of your baby, they are still a sick baby or toddler. Yes. They are still triple O. They are still calling an ambulance. You are still getting help to come to you. However, you may not necessarily need to be starting cardiopulmonary resuscitation if they do respond. Roll them into the recovery position, stay with them, and dial triple O. Yep. Awesome. It depends Great whether advice. they respond or not. And that sort of ties into um, the next question, which was in terms of baby first aid, do you still go through doctors A, B, C, D? And it sounds like you do. Absolutely, yeah. you actually don't do the D under eight. So the um, so if you're not trained, so say you're at a primary school or a daycare, you're trained on how to use a defibrillator. But if you are regular, and this is what I think it was important that you said earlier, um, we're not training you to be doctors. This is first aid. Like this is basic. You are attending to your baby, child, toddler, but actually all first aid is you're attending to someone until professional help arrives. We don't yes. expect you to be diagnosing. We don't expect you to be saying it's asthma or it's croup or whatever. They're not breathing. Give the Ventolin, know how to give the Ventolin. Like I always use that as an example. 
not your problem to say, but that child doesn't have, the, you know, asthma or doesn't have an asthma management plan. I don't care. I'm going to give it a crap load of Ventolin until the ambulance officer arrives and then we'll deal with it. And, you know, people then go, oh, but Ventolin's not good for children. And I was like, no, but nor's not getting oxygen to the baby's brain. Like it's always about a bit of common sense with first mm. stage. Anyway, so under eight, don't defibrillate is a bit okay. of a, you know, just, just remember that unless you have a paediatric defibrillator and you've been trained to do so. But so you just do doctor A, B, C, no D. Yes, yes. Yep. Under eight, relate. I like that. It rhymes for a reason, doesn't it? Because it's, <laughs> it's getting That's stuck like, in here. <laughs> now. I always use tooth 30. When does the Irishman go to the dentist? See? Ah, and never forget the CPR. Two breaths to 30 compressions. Two thirty. yeah. I, had, I don't think I've heard that one from you, actually. There you go. Two thirty. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> um, now, Edwina, you did answer this one in pretty good detail in episode one and two for the podcast. So, guys, if you haven't, go and check it out, Pregnancy with Physio Laura. But could you give us, like, a 30-second summary? What is the difference between choking and gagging for anyone that this is totally new for? Super common. 30-second uh, summary, go and listen to your podcast. Yes. <laughs> Done. <laughs> good one. Yeah. It's super important that if your child is gagging, that you don't intervene, put a big smile on, your baby is yeah. learning to eat, learning to masticate, normal developmental process. What I will say is that I see children at two or three who are still eating puree that mm -hmm. affects their speech, it affects their development. The reason they're still eating puree is because they've had a choking or a gagging incident early that has completely freaked their parents out. And now they're still pureeing, a, pureeing all their food. That's not actually mm -hmm. the best outcome. So learn the difference, know the difference, yeah. understand it. I'm not saying that lightheartedly, but, you know, it was what, how long did we, it's probably about a good 25 minutes to answer. Yeah, that. yeah I think so. they should listen. We also have the free downloadable that just is like a visual image of difference between gagging or choking. If anyone just DMs me at Birthbeat, I'll send them that free downloadable awesome. and I all your vips in the posse have access to that don't yes I, yes that is right actually yeah. yeah um and i do i think what you just said is important it's about not interfering so you need to know the difference between gagging and choking because women or mothers that jump in too soon for the gag as well i remember you saying can be quite dangerous because it can make well, it a worse situation the baby is actually trying to bring up what is obstructing their or partially obstructing their airway. That's the difference between gagging and choking. So gagging, they're mm -hmm. trying to bring it up themselves. You go in and intervene by either like patting them on the back or it's okay. And then they bring it up. The first thing that they do is <gasps> take a deep breath like you or I would, but mm. they're not old enough to not realise that. And if that's been something that was in their mouth, you can then further lodge that in their windpipe. So yeah. really encourage them to cough, 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 chew, chew, chew. It's gross. Yes. Like I'll probably cough it up into the high chair, pick it up, put it back in their mouth. With a oh, yeah. Bottle. Yeah. That and was a classic, classic move for my son. If we gave him smoked salmon and we didn't cut it up into small enough pieces, no word of a lie, he would gag this slimy, fishy, disgusting pink thing up. And then pop it straight back in his mouth and chew it again. It was disgusting. Smoked salmon. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. 
My kids, kids are so unusual. They eat everything, eat like camembert cheese and smoked salmon and wow, broccoli so and, awesome. you know, all the things that you're told they probably won't touch, but they love it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Now, following on from that, because it's relevant to the choking and gagging, someone has asked, should you always cut things like grapes in half? Yeah, and look, this is a pretty topical one because there's there are different camps and so I think everything around parenting, everything around sleep, introducing solids, do you know what I mean? People get really passionate about this is the right way and you must do it this way. And I go, actually... You are your own family. Do what works for your family. Because some people say, oh, I don't want to puree. I don't want to cut up. I want them just to learn to eat what I'm eating. And I totally mm. understand that. But let's just say the first step is supervision. So yes. regardless of what you're feeding your children, regardless if you're cutting up certain sizes, sometimes I also feel as well, if I am prescriptive to you now and say, yes, scrapes are too big, they should be cut to this size, it can actually create anxiety around introducing solids. So let's answer that with a question of what do you feel comfortable doing for you and your family? However, what I think is important is that you know that the opening of your baby's windpipe is about that big. So Mm. if you're feeding them a full-size grape and they are not yet really good chewers, that's going to be a little bit of a hazard. Mm. But things that you need to understand are firmness, roundness, and slipperiness. So grapes, mm. I think, are like the, you know, the culprit because yeah. you know I mean? they're pretty firm, they're round. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> so what can you yeah. be doing around that? If it's something round, can change the shape, cut it and change mm. the shape. The grapes, great example. Blueberries are actually also a real hazard. Um, Cutting a piece of sausage that's nice and round, that's a great little piece that can obstruct the airway. And then firmness, so raw fruit or vegetables are really firm. So maybe parboiling them as you're introducing solids, so a piece of pear or carrot, parboiling that to decrease the firmness. And then slipperiness. So um, mango is a really good, you know, really good example because it's super slippery. It is really quick to occlude the airway. So mm. how can you add some grip to that? Roll it in a bit of coconut. Um, you know, add mm. like like rolling something like sesame seeds or a bit of something that you can put onto a piece of avocado or mm. adding that grip to it actually decreases the hazards around choking. So firmness, yeah. roundness and slipperiness are actually what you should be looking at, not so much size and shape. But prior to all of that, absolutely supervision is key. So yeah, I love that. That's such a good summary. I've never heard of the firmness, roundness, slipperiness. But I think that's really empowering for mothers as well because for parents really. I just assume everyone <laughs> listening to this is a mum or a female. But um, it helps you realise what's in your control. So rather than just going, we're never going to eat a grape again because they're hazard, um, it's like how can we change one of those three things or two of those three things? And I think that's really empowering for mums to go, okay, I can can alter the risk factor on this food, which is really good. So I love that. I haven't heard of that one before. That's great. So it's hard work pureeing everything. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm Holly 
Polly didn't eat anything out of a packet. So Polly's my eldest, um, nothing out of a packet. Do you know what I mean? Nothing that was processed. Everything was just like handmade, hand pureed. And then the second one comes on, you're about to prepare for the third. I remember we're actually out to dinner one night. Somebody had some cheesels. I put a cheesel on Theo's, you know, little tray. He dropped the cheesel. I picked it up and gave it back to him. And all my friends were like, <laughs> <laughs> actually one of his like earliest solids. And I was like, oh my gosh, compared to what I did for Polly. But he was the kid that would eat a lamb bone or yeah. something. Still conscious of choking hazards. Cheesel is not a good example, I realise. <laughs> but it is that you do what you can do. Like, yeah, exactly on, right. Go easy on yourselves. I would much rather the parent who is there and present and enjoying dinner time because it should yes. be something where the baby's not feeling anxious, you're not feeling anxious. That's yes. the best. 100% agree with that because I think babies pick up on that and if dinner time is stressful and yeah. that's not good for everyone. And I honestly think I did mostly baby-led weaning because I'm lazy and I can't be bothered pureeing. <laughs> yes. I like that baby-led weaning is actually here to have something on my plate. Correct. Yeah, it's like let me just cook one meal for the family rather than making separate. Totally. And I feel like some hack. We should totally all be doing that. Yes, yeah, it worked for me anyway. Um, and just before we move on, I wanted to say, in case you hadn't seen it, Lawrence uh, said that you teaching her to encourage her son from coffee, uh, to keep coughing um, has meant they've never had a choking issue. So thank you. So Yay! thanks, Edwina. That's awesome. Um, now, this podcast is coming out on Thursday about poisons and falls, but someone has asked, what are the red flags to look for when a baby bumps their head? So it's up to you. Do you want to just say, let wait till Thursday, or have you got a short answer for that one? Um I think there's a lot of myths around this and I actually can't remember what we recorded in the podcast. So I hope I just spilled these myths. If I did, <laughs> I'll um, remember. I'll super briefly say head injuries are really scary. So, you know, I think that worries a lot of people. The best way to define them, and again, this is not about a diagnosis. This is about first day, is mild, moderate or severe. If you suspect your baby, toddler or adult has a mild to severe head injury, they need medical help. We want to get them assessed. The mm. things that are going to indicate that it is moderate to severe are if it's been at high speed, so any sort of car accident, any sort of, you know, vehicle accident that's been at any sort of high speed, even if the child appears well, we want to get them reviewed. So that's just first. The other is from height. So anything mm. that's more than a metre, and when you say a metre, you kind of go, oh, okay, you know, my child's... But a child sitting up in a bumbo that's on a kitchen bench that falls onto the floor, that yeah. is very quickly lining them up for a mild, moderate or severe head injury. So mm. if your child doesn't make a sound, doesn't cry, doesn't respond quickly, like for a mild head injury, we'd expect them to cry straight away, not have any altered levels of consciousness, not have physical symptoms. When I say physical symptoms, vomiting more than once, um, being groggy or, you know, a little bit off. They're all moderate to severe. If you have any of those conditions, you want to be getting them reviewed by a medical officer. I'm sure I yes. do go into that one in a lot more detail, but it's about yes. understanding yes. mild, moderate and severe. If it's only mild and you're not concerned, that's okay. 
However, if they have more than two vomits, if they're sleepy, if they're hard to rouse, that's the other thing. Because mm. everyone says to me, so I've got to keep them awake for four hours. And I'm like, no, if it's eight o'clock at night and, you know, your baby's bumped their head at the bath and their normal bedtime is eight o'clock, you're not yeah. going to keep them up till midnight. We don't do that in emergency. We actually let them go to sleep if it is their normal sleep time. We let them go to sleep. But what we actually do, and I know this sounds criminal when I help so many parents with sleep and settle, is that we wake them after 15 yes. minutes to check are they rousing normally. And if they are, then we say, yeah, cool, go back to sleep. We'll discharge you in four hours. Yes. If they're groggy, if they're a little bit not themselves, that's when we're going to be concerned. Yeah. And actually, even if they do have a moderate or severe head injury and you've been to the emergency department and you've been told your child has a concussion, please know that that can last weeks, the mm. result, the grogginess. They're going to be really tired. That's good to know. And definitely Edwina does go into those rules, so the vomit rule, the height rule, um, the waking rule in more detail for the Poisons and Falls episode, which is coming out this Thursday. Now, we have one more question, and then we're very quickly going to open up if there are any live questions. So um, ladies watching, if you have any questions right now on the top of your head, Throw them in the comments now because at the end of this question, if there's nothing to answer, we're going to call it a night. So throw anything on there. But the last question that was submitted previous was baby soaps, lotions, powders, obviously get gifted a lot, but this lady has heard that they should be avoided. What's your take on that? Okay, my first take on that is don't gift them. Gift meals. <laughs> Oh, 100%. Or housework. <laughs> yes. If you are thinking what to give a new mother, it's a cleaner or food, isn't it? Do you agree? 100%. Or hold the baby while they nap or shower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or shower. Yeah, exactly. Um, or hold the mother. That's what yeah. I always say. Who's holding the mother? Um, so first and foremost, I think particularly, okay, that sounds really ungrateful. Yes, of course we get <laughs> so many lovely things. I'm still the mum that loves and we've just got a new baby born next door, Daisy. She's four oh, days old. And our whole family has awesome. gone into overdrive. <laughs> like, <laughs> so excited about gifts for baby Daisy. I'm a midwife. I know she doesn't need more onesies, but it's just adorable. Um, <laughs> but around lotions, potions, things like that, why we say not to use them. And when I say not to use them, just like, Again, a little bit of voice of reason, a bit of common sense, at least not in the first six weeks. So your baby has been living in a bag of water, so been living in amniotic fluid. So their skin, when they come out to the outside world, is so sensitive. And so if we start to change the pH balance, and that's what essentially when you, like the acidity sort of nice, I'm thinking like the nice happy medium for the baby's skin. When you introduce lots of products that are scented and have perfumes and have additives, it's actually just really hard on the baby's skin. So it's not like you're gonna hurt the baby, but just for at least the first six weeks, I wouldn't introduce anything that's heavily scented, has lots of perfumes, additives, things like that. Just essentially, they just need warm water in the early days. <laughs> baby's skin is dry and sometimes babies particularly if they were overdue you are better to put like a thick like a bepanthin like a paraffin based thick moisture not paraffin non-paraffin based sorry I thought you that. <laughs> on the baby's skin 
But the other thing around once you've bathed the baby is often where we get skin breaking down is under their arms, in the creases of their legs and in their folds of their genitals because they're not properly dried. So, and the neck as well, particularly if they're a spitty, slobbery baby. So the best thing you can actually be doing is just using cotton to dry the baby after they've been bathed and not to bathe them for a super long time and not to bathe them super regularly. Mm, I love that. I think there is uh, that idea that hygiene means that you bathe every day, but I think with babies that's, well, maybe even with adults, I've heard a couple of myths and rumours on that anyway that we don't need to shower as much as we do. But I say, I'm, on a, I, I'm on a bit of a natural detox at the moment. Yeah. Um, and all that, like, so not using soaps, really being conscious of your pH balance, only yeah. washing my underwear and yeah. like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I get this. It makes sense. I, 100%. Everything has never looked better. Mm, I agree with you. I listened to a podcast maybe a year ago which said you pretty much, unless you're visibly soiled, you know, like you have dirt on you, um, you just need to wash your pits and bits. That's how they yes. describe it. And that's what I've been doing for a year. And I love it. And I feel like my skin is, is not dry. Yeah, anyway, that's a side topic, guys. <laughs> now, I reckon we'll just do two live questions yeah um because i'm conscious that it is getting late so let's go what this is an interesting one minda has asked what age does the size of the windpipe become less problematic from a choking perspective yeah and unfortunately that's about two <laughs> so two years I, old okay yeah so we we say like you talk about and the age gap gets bigger as you go up the crease of the finger that's a, a really nice little way to think about it. Um, mm. yeah, it's, and it's two to four, and it depends on the size of your child. So I know of families who have had three- or four-year-olds who are really confident eaters, but mm. we've got to remember it's not just food that babies or toddlers, and particularly toddlers, put in their mouth. It's And Theo just the other day was running with a coin in his mouth, and I was like, get that out, get that out but it's bits of Lego, it's little, you know, play equipment, it's batteries, it's coins. They're still huge choking hazards. So zero to two is the most common call that we get for paramedics in Australia. So like mm. that's, that's what I mean, it kind of makes you go, people, I know it's a fear for so many parents, but it's kind of a, it's a validated fear. You need to know how to respond. Mm. And the other thing is trying to get kids to sit on their bottoms while they're eating. And again, <laughs> I, like, I've got children. I'm like, I realise how ridiculous that sounds. Yeah, but, let um, me know if you find an answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, last one. Oh, oh, this one's a bit different. Maybe we'll go this one. Um, is secondary drowning something that can occur in a child over 12 months of age? Yes. And unfortunately... What is secondary drowning? Secondary drowning. So um, firstly, if your baby has... So we used to refer to it as like a drowning experience for somebody who died from the result of a drowning. We now call it like drowning is now either they have a drowning experience that was non-fatal or fatal. Okay. So if your baby goes... Un or anyone... So this isn't just baby. Baby, toddler, adult... But if they get a certain amount of water onto their lungs, that 
can then result in secondary drowning. So they can okay. come up, you resuscitate them. And even when I say resuscitate, that sounds very dramatic. You might just, you know, give them a few goes to the back, um, give them a breath or maybe two breaths and they come back and they're okay. You must get them reviewed by a medical officer. So we're mm. either going to watch them in the emergency department for six to eight hours so under observation to see if they get any shortness of breath, if they spike a temperature, if they have a fever, or we're going to do a chest X-ray. Same thing with an adult. And I've seen this happen with an adult male who had a drowning experience mm. while he was water skiing, was resuscitated by his mates, alcohol was involved. It's usually the way with young adult males. Um, mm. And he died from secondary drowning the next night. Mm. So like... So often what it is, it's an infection where there's water collected on the lungs and then it leads to pneumonia, breathing illnesses, and they're very difficult to resuscitate. Mm, okay. Awesome. Thank but you. Also, can I just say, I think a lot of parents go, oh, like the babies in the bath get a bit of water in their mouth and the cough and that's not terrible. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking about. Okay, good to and know. I don't, I don't do first aid classes these helicopter parents i get really conscious that like oh i don't want to make you feel paranoid i want to teach you like i want to teach you our course it's a three-hour course i believe every parent in the world should do it and then i hope that you never ever use what i teach you yeah i love that i think that's the ultimate in it it's just about like you said it's not fear and anxiety it's preparation and hopefully thank god you never have to use it and if you do you know exactly what to do confidently and quickly so thank you so much for joining us edwina and for running such an amazing podcast series i know like i said i've had a lot of messages about women who have said thank you so much for getting this out there um and if everyone wants to check you out it's at birth you do regular question and answers so if any Anyone didn't get their question answered tonight they can go over and check you out you do a lot of call the midwife responses which is lovely and we will be announcing the winner sometime this week so someone will win your free first aid course but if not definitely go and check it out because it is something you can do during pregnancy or after birth at any stage there's never too early never too late to learn about baby first aid so and you can do it in the comfort of your own home which i just think is yeah. such a pro these days <laughs> Um, so thank you so much. You've stayed up well and truly past your bedtime, but we appreciate it. And you have a wonderful sleep now and we'll all see you later. <laughs> thank you, Laura. I can't wait to hear your news. Thank you for continuing yes. to do what you Oh, thank you. I'll see you later. Bye. Hey, mamas. Laura here. And I really hope that you love this Q&A style with Edwina from Birthbeat. She is just such a wealth of knowledge and the way she explains baby first aid I find really engaging and interesting. So if you'd like to learn more from Edwina you can find her on Instagram at birthbeat and I'd love to hear from you over on my socials at PhysioLaura and let me know your favorite learnings from this baby first aid podcast series. And if you haven't already just subscribe to the Pregnancy with PhysioLaura podcast that you don't miss our next amazing podcast series that we have coming out next week. 
And if you want to jump in and watch that bonus content that I mentioned earlier, just head over to my online program, The Pregnancy Posse, because in this bonus member-only content for the Baby First Aid series, Edwina talks us through exactly what you'll need to have in your first aid kit at home. It will only cost around $80 and she covers the most practical items, so none of the fluffy, fancy things. I will catch you soon for our next amazing podcast series to be released next week. And until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.